Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And so I'm always very glad when you join me. And I'm hoping that this particular show will be inspiring and helpful. Uh, we are going to be talking about the 12 steps, which is those famous um, 12 steps that Alcoholics Anonymous originally used. And these 12 steps have been employed for everything that you could imagine uh, wanting to be delivered from, wanting to be healed from, wanting to be restored from. And so it's an amazing program, and I have many clients that take great advantage of this program and have been helped tremendously. And we also, uh, around the Valley, have um, Celebrate Recovery, which is the 12 steps, but it is really geared specifically for the Christian church. And so I'm very thankful to have my, my good friend, Rob Ekno, all the way from Los Angeles, California. He does a great show out there called The God Show. And he's got a lot of new things that he's doing that I'm very excited for him about. And if you missed last week's show, I want to encourage you to go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And you can listen to the podcast um, in, in, in its entirety. So, Rob, thank you so much for being here today, and we are actually going to talk about the 12 Steps. Yes, absolutely. One of my favorite subjects, God and the 12 Steps. Exactly. So, listeners, if you didn't get to hear, he gave us his whole entire story last week. And so, Rob, if you could just kind of recap it a little bit for the people that are just joining today, and then we will start with the first step. Uh, The real quick of it is that I decided that uh, life with drugs and alcohol was better than life with God. I was uh, flourishing in the um, radio business and public relations business. And then the next thing I know, I was homeless. And then I ended up moving from New England out to California. And I got born again a couple weeks after I was out here. And I got hooked up with uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12-step program. And my life has been through many trials and tribulations, but the amazing thing is for over 22 years, I haven't had to drink or use, deal with any of them because I go to God instead. That's awesome. Because, you know, you really were very successful being a um, sportscaster and, and uh, news reporter. And it's amazing how addictions bottom us out and, and how God, you know, I always am telling people when I give my life story, you know, God is always the last ditch effort. I mean, I'm so thankful that God does not become easily offended, that, you know, he's the last person that we go to when he's actually the first one we should go to. Which is the amazing part is that I found out that he—I share that all the time. You know, there I was being a fool out there in the real world, and I just picture it like this. God just sits up in the clouds with his arms crossed going, boy, oh boy, Rob, one more time, one more time. You know, I have this amazing life for you if you want to trust me, but I love you enough to let you do it your way if you want. But 
I'll be here if you ever decide to ask for help. And since the day I've asked him for help, he's never dropped me off in the ocean and just let me there without a boat. <laughs> That's amazing. Because, you know, that, that we were talking last week about this concept that God has given to me, this epiphany of, that I've seen him do in my life, that he sustains us until he can actually, until he's ready to deliver us. And that being ready to deliver us has a lot to do with our own free will. And us not being ready, us thinking that we can keep doing it our way. And if we do it harder and longer and more committed, we can actually make our way work. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I'm I'm one of the ones that even in the rooms with 12-step program, a lot of people still shy away from God. And they're like, you know, I use a doorknob as my <laughs> higher power. Or, you know, I was in Juno um, until a few weeks ago, and there was one gal who said, you know, you people and your God and all this stuff and your higher power. She says, I'm my own higher power. I, I take care of my own life. And then about four weeks later, she was calling one of the girls in the program saying, can you please get me to a detox center right away? I'm dying. Exactly. And, and then there was another gal who said, you know, I don't believe in God. I just use you guys here in the rooms of the 12-step program as my higher power. And I'm thinking, okay, but five of these people, and in Juno, there's very small meetings. There was only 12 people. So five out of the 12 people had either drank or used within the last five weeks of, uh, of her saying that. And I'm thinking, this is who she's using to save her life? Right, wanting to depend on humans. And, and it's never going to work. It never has. And People ask me all the time, can you help save me? I said, the only thing I can do is point you to God. I can show you the 12 steps. If they work for you, great. I'm happy to help you and share my experience and share some miracles that God has performed in my life so you can maybe perhaps believe that he does exist. And if you want to use them, you can. If you don't, you can continue with your pain and misery. You know, it's your choice. Exactly. So that leads us to this first step which is we have admitted we are powerless over and whatever it is that we are powerless over and that our lives have become unmanageable. So expound a little bit about that. Well, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, when they started this program way back when in 1935, there was such a small amount of them and they, and people started realizing that, you know, it was going to be something big. It was helping people. So they used this word anonymous associated with whatever the program is, Gamblers Anonymous, Sex Anonymous. And I just think the word anonymous puts a negative connotation on anything. Um, and, and so what that is is that step one, we admitted we were powerless. People don't want to admit something they think is negative because what if people find out? I mean, I sit here in Hollywood with some of the biggest stars and whatever you want every day, and you know, they don't want to, well, what happens if people at Warner Brothers find out? What happens if people at Universal Studios find out I'm an alcoholic? Well, what happens if they find out that you're actually man enough or woman enough to say, hey, listen, my life is not perfect. I'm not a perfect person. I made some choices earlier on, but now I'm stepping up to the plate so that I can be the best that I can be. And, you know, people are so afraid of sharing their imperfections with other people, because what would somebody else think? And you know what God tells us in the big book, in the 12 steps, if you read the big book, in the first 164 pages, and he also tells us in the Bible that he's the only judge. Exactly. He, he tells us right in the big book, what somebody else thinks about you does not matter. Whether they think you're the greatest human being that ever walked this planet doesn't matter. Whether they think you're the biggest schmuck that ever walked this planet doesn't matter. It's what I think of you. And if you continue to focus on me, then admitting you're an alcoholic just means that, okay, 
now I have a chance for recovery. Because exactly. here, here's the thing. I just had, I just, I lost two of my friends at 52 years old. They both happened to be sober, but they both died of cancer. And that was a few years ago. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting here right now looking at the cemetery that one of them buried in uh, right across the freeway here in Hollywood. And the bottom line is I watched them fight and they tried everything they could to stay alive. And, you know, they were going to chemotherapy. They were going to these pressure chambers over at UCLA. They were doing all this stuff. But they can only do as much as medical science does for us. The great thing about the 12 steps, it's based on God. God is free. The program of AA, NA, GA, whatever A you want to have is completely free. Somebody will help you for absolutely free. All you have to do is say, listen, this is who I am and I need help. And in 22 years of sobriety, God has never, ever had anybody say no to me who I've asked for help for. It's truly remarkable. I, I mean, I like how you address this issue of anonymous, and the anonymous piece was really to protect people. It's the same thing that I have with confidentiality in my office, that the, they can come and tell me secrets, they can come and tell me and really bear their soul, because it's confidential. And so the anonymous aspect of it says, you know, until you're ready to share your story, until you feel confident about sharing your story, and if you never want to share your story, you have a place that you can be anonymous that it is completely 100% confidential. And so this whole idea of admitting powerless, you know, that I'm powerless to this thing, what, what do you think that, how, how does that work? How does that, what does that mean? I'm powerless to alcohol or I'm powerless to shopping or I'm powerless over food or I'm powerless over lying or anger or cocaine, whatever it is. Well, normally for me, and I've heard thousands of stories, haven't been in Hollywood where there's just thousands of people. So just by default, I've heard, you know, all kinds of stories from all walks of life, you know. And, you know, the powerless part is it's interesting because realistically, most everybody drinks because or uses or, or uses to cover up something to, to, to not deal with their feelings. And you would experience this, obviously, in your thing you know, in your practice and bringing out people's feelings and stuff. And so whether it be that, you know, somebody was abused as a child, whether it be somebody just doesn't feel good enough, maybe their parents just never encouraged them in life and always told them they were a loser or a bum or whatever while they were growing up, or you can't do this, why do that dream? You know, it's never going to work. And so whatever it is, we feel that we're not worth. Most people, I, I, every person that I've known that's come into any uh, meeting has always shared, I don't feel good enough. I feel like a worthless piece of, you know, crap, basically. And that's where I'm at. And I don't want to feel like that anymore. And the reality is I share in meetings all the time. And it's funny because people will secretly walk up to me when I share God in the meeting. Hey, thank you for bringing up God. And it's funny because as we go through these steps here today, you're going to see that God is specifically listed in four of these steps. You can't do the steps without having specifically God as compared to a higher power. But the powerlessness is, is, is tough because nobody ever wants to feel like they can't control their life. Like for me, at the end of my marriage, when all my big money went away and things changed, I felt kind of powerless because I'm like, I'm supposed to provide for the wife, the kids, the dogs, you know, and all this stuff. And as a man, that's my job. But reality is we always had just enough no matter what happened. And we never did go without eating and we never... And it was, I just got up to a certain point of trusting in God, and, I, and like you said, 
he'll strip us down to nothing sometimes so that we have to fully rely on the only thing we have is him. So the first part of this admitted powerless over alcohol, our lives have become unmanageable. Nobody wants to admit defeat in anything really in life. But what I found out and what I share is that God has created every single one of us an amazingly special human being. And he has a special purpose for us. And so me, if you meet me within five minutes, I'm telling you that I have 22 years sober and, you know, where I was at because, one, I'm glorifying God. But, two, I used to walk around ashamed of who I was, which many people do before step one. Okay, Rob, I have to, I'm sorry, I've been so enthralled in the story, I didn't hear, hear the music is, so I have to cut you off, and we're going to start right back there in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and I have Rob Ekno with me today. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I have with me today Rob Ekno. And I want to give you his information. It's robekno.com. And he is calling all the way from Los Angeles, California today. And he is going, giving us a great um, understanding of the 12-step program. And if you missed the show last week, we really got to hear his story about where he was, where he landed, where he kind of bottomed out, and what God has done in his life for the last 22 years as he has practiced working what we now know, those famous 12 steps. So, Rob, thank you for being here again. And kind of, if you can, start again where you were with the whole issue of this first step of powerlessness and not wanting to admit that we can't control something. That's the toughest thing for anybody. If you can't get past step one, all the rest of the steps are, are, are null and void because i got to admit defeat. And what people miss, and I missed early on, is that by admitting defeat, it doesn't mean I'm a loser, I'm a bomb, I'm whatever. It just means in this particular area of my life, drugs and alcohol doesn't work. My life is unmanageable. I was living on the street. I'd say that's pretty unmanageable to me. I lost a beautiful home, two beautiful cars, beautiful career. I'd say that's pretty unmanageable. And that was me living my own life. The thing that I try to share with people is that Listen, admitting defeat is not a bad thing. It's a good thing because once I admit defeat, now I have a solution. God points me in the direction of a 12-step program, which is a design for living that gives me the opportunity to live an amazing life. So by technically losing, I end up winning bigger than I ever could. And, you know, my philosophy, as I share with people, God did not create any of us to walk around in shame. So I, myself, am kind of crazy when it comes to this, but anybody that I've helped more people by sharing my story within the first five minutes, I've never not gotten a job by telling a potential employer that I have X amount of years sobriety or whatever. Uh, It's always been an asset. And, you know, it's interesting that people are afraid or ashamed of who they are. They don't want people to know. But God does not make any of us a piece of crap, basically, and or anything less than amazingly special. So if I drank and used because I was ashamed of who I was, now that I'm admitting I have a problem and admitting defeat, and I let God run the show, I, I can't walk around in shame anymore 
because then I'm disrespecting God again, and he's like, why are you walking around in shame? You're an amazing human being, because I made you, so I know you are. And so many people, they always take this knock, my God, if somebody found out, if somebody found out. Well, yeah, you know what? If somebody found out, then maybe you could help them. You could share the fact that what this 12-step program is doing in your life, what God is doing in your life. So how amazing is it if somebody found out and you're actually doing the 12 steps, now you have an experience to share with people and you can help other people save their lives. Well, I think that's what's the most important thing is this whole issue of powerlessness is the same thing we do with the sinner's prayer. It's we're saying, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And, and we're saying that I can't do life the way I know you've designed me to do it. And so whether I'm powerless over something as overt or literal as drugs and alcohol or a particular behavior that we know is inappropriate, it can be as little as I'm powerless over hating myself. And I keep hating myself, God, and I really need you to come in and help me stop doing that mindset. And and so it, it really is about just giving God the, the the doing God's will in our life and giving God free reign in our life to rule and reign so that we can actually be who God has called us to be. Oh, a- absolutely. And, you know, then you get on to step two, you know, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Well, the great thing about that is that that means that one time in my life I was actually a sane individual because I can only be returned to something that I once was. Well, that's very good. That's amazing. Talk about that a little bit more. Right? I mean, if you see uh, an infomercial on TV and they go to a junkyard and they say, we have this amazing wax and we're going to restore this beat-up old car to its original condition. You know, and they put the wax on and then all of a sudden the shine is there. Well, unless I was sane at one point in my life and capable of making intelligent, God-based decisions, then God can't return me to something that I never was. Exactly. The good news is, is that at one time in my life, I was capable of making intelligent, wise choices. I know the difference between right and wrong. And but for whatever reason, I chose to chose. You know, there was there was times I'll give you a quick example. I was in Fort Lauderdale before I ended up homeless. One Friday, I went to meet my dope dealer down there and it was a shopping plaza. And all of a sudden he was late and there was like 15 cop cars in the parking lot. Somebody had apparently, you know, stolen something from the grocery store. So here I am literally 10 feet away from like 15 cop cars. And now the normal person would have said, this is probably not a good idea to sit here buying cocaine while there's 15 cop cars 10 feet away from you. But my thought process said, no, I'm just going to wait until he shows up. I'll get my stuff and go. <laughs> you know, the, insan- the insanity of it all. Right. And nowadays, my decisions aren't perfect, but they're pretty darn good. And I very rarely make bad choices only because I what I do is I pretend that God is standing right on the side of me physically. And so when I have a big decision to make, I look over and I say, "Okay, now, if I did this, what would he say to me right now? What kind of look would I get back in my eyes from him? And then you automatically answer your own question. And so I say, okay, I don't want to make that choice because it's the godly choice, but I'll make it because I know it's the right choice. And I just save myself so many zillions of headaches by letting God run the show. And now that he's restored me to sanity, I look to him if I ever have uh, any tough choices. 
And then, you know, step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Again, a lot of people come into the program feeling that God is a very punishing God and all this, and why would this happen? How could I be homeless if this didn't happen? I said, listen, I don't know about you. I ended up homeless, and the only one I have to blame is myself. I can't blame God. He never once went to my bedside any morning and said, hey, Rob, you got to wake up. you got to go down to the bar and grab a bottle of vodka and sit there and complain about life to the bartender, and they go chase down the dope dealer and then go find a bunch of women all over town and, you know, fool around with them. And God never did that to me. I made those choices on my own will. So I need to step up to the plate and be a man about it and say, okay, God, you didn't do this to me, but I need your help to get out of this. I think that's and, I think that's amazing because it really is about you know say, identifying what we're powerless over what we ha- really are not able to to make those decisions that we really know we should make that we ought to make and then it's really believing that God is going to restore to us that sane behavior that we are able to make those right decisions he's going to help us do that and so I like that third step about turning our will and our lives over to the care of God that's really part of trusting that God is really who he says he is. And so we have about one minute left, and I want to make sure, um, listeners, that you know how to get more information about Rob Ekno. Again, it's robekno.com. He also has a Facebook page at Rob Ekno. And I really want to encourage you to go to his site and, and view some of the things. If any of you need any help, he is a, a great resource for this, a whole entire process. And, and so I'm thankful that you're listening to the show today. If you didn't get to hear his entire life story, please go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and you will find the podcast from last week. So thank you so much for being here today, and join me in the next segment as we continue to talk about the, just the power of the 12-step program. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad you joined me today. We have a great show that we are doing, and it is really about the power of the 12 steps and what those 12 steps mean. And I have a, a, my great friend, Rob Ekno from Los Angeles, California. He does a great show out there called The God Show. And he gave us his life story in the last, um, in last week's show about how he went from a really just amazing career Lots of success to being homeless in a Greyhound uh, bus station. So we are talking this week about the actual 12 steps and what they mean. So if you want to have any information about Rob Ekno, you can go to robekno.com, and that's R-O-B-E-K-N-O. So, Rob, thank you for being here with me today. And we ended this last segment on the uh, making a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. That's correct. And, and it's as we understood him. So however you understood him, and most people end up coming in with a fearful God, a, a hateful God. This is a projection in their mind. And then we are, we are taught and afforded the opportunity to, you know, throw that God out and, and write down on a piece of paper the exact God that we would love to have in my, our life. And I chose to have my best friend, uh, someone that I could just tell everything to that knows everything anyways. And, and that's how it started turning my life around, which led me right into step four, which is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And 
you know, people, more people go out of the 12-step program because when it comes to writing down on a piece of paper all their fears, uh, any uh, sex inventory or any resentments they have against another human being, they don't want to look at themselves. And what I do is I share with them, I say, listen, God already knows everything you've done. You already know everything you've done. All God asks you to do is to humble yourself, to write down on a piece of paper the stuff that you've done, so now you can go into step five to admit to God, to uh, ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. And it's so interesting because in doing step five, a lot of times you find out that all the things that you beat yourself up over the years, that I did this, 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 was nothing that you should have really been beating yourself up over. And you have this amazing release of sharing this. And think about it, God, it's just like anybody that's Catholic or anything like that. You know, you go to confession. Well, it's the same thing. God says, tell one other human being so that you know uh, and understand that I'm in charge, not you. And I will give you this amazing peace. And I'll tell you really quickly two examples on the extreme ends of both. I was doing my fifth step. I did it over a three-day period. I had written down so much junk. I was out here in Los Angeles. My sponsor says, go and have a nice day playing softball or whatever. And, and I'm begging God. I feel this. Oh, I felt like I was in a vice grip just squeezing me to death. And finally, I said, please give me the courage to tell this guy the three worst things that I think I've ever done. And I told him. And all of a sudden, he goes, oh, okay, we'll go have a fun time playing softball. And it was like, no big deal. And I felt this amazing release, like I was in a balloon, and I just, I was the balloon and just got released in all the air, and it was just comfortable. On the other side, my brother, at four years sober, he started going to a therapist. And as you know, therapists are great, but if you're just going to them because you don't want to do other work that you could do. So he chose not to tell his sponsor the worst three things that he ever did. And I said, why are you going to a therapist now? And he said, because I'm driving myself crazy, the three worst things. And I said, well, why don't you pick up the phone and call your sponsor and just tell him and get it over with? And, you know, our pride and ego, it talks about it in the Bible, it talks about it in the 12 stuff, will send us to our grave. And sure enough, he decided these things were driving him so insane and he wouldn't tell anybody, share them with the therapist, whoever. And he ended up drinking and dying eight months later at 28 years old. So those are the extremes of working a good fourth step and a good fifth step. And I will tell you, Cynthia, I've had the heads of major TV networks and huge, huge mega stars out here in Hollywood walk up to me and say, I want what you have. And I say, okay, I got a little apartment here and a used car here and a few bucks in the bank. And you've got the house in the hills and the million-dollar salary and all the prestige and all. They said, but I've never had peace. And you have peace, and it's worth more than anything. And only through doing a really good four-step and fifth-step do you ever find the peace in your life. Well, I think that's really profound because that fourth step is really saying, God, I'm now saying what I know is true, and I'm being willing to be honest with you. And, and that, that fifth step then becomes, you know, that, that I'm really then going to take it to the physical realm, and that's that James 5.16 that says, confess your sins one to another, pray for each other, and you'll be healed. So we're kind of co- coming up to the end of this particular segment, and I want you listeners, please, to join me in the next segment as we continue to really delve into what this 12-step program is about and the power of just this guided 
process that helps us to really allow God and, and usher God's power into freeing us. And so this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment with Rob Ekno. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad you joined me today. I want to encourage you to visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. You can also see my Facebook page and like that page, which is filled with lots of inspirations and and motivational things that that help throughout the day. And so that is Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's I-N-C for Incorporated. And today I have Rob Ekno with me all the way from Los Angeles, and we are talking about his story, which we did last week. So I would always encourage you to to visit the website and and listen to that uh, podcast about his entire story last week. And this week, today, we are really talking about the 12-step program and the power that these steps do for for thousands and thousands, millions of people um, across the world, just in terms of God freeing them from whatever it is that is causing them not to be the person that God has called them to be. So we left off, Rob, on this fifth step, which is admitting to God and to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs and the power of disclosure, the power of coming clean, and the power of knowing that somebody knows my secrets. And it really forces the enemy to leave us alone. You know, the enemy of our soul always wants to condemn us. And we can say to the enemy, you know what? There's somebody on the planet that knows. This is not a secret, and I don't have to be ashamed any longer. So... Let's start with this next step, which is six, and that's we, uh, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Yeah, and a lot of people misinterpret that, because if you read it, it says we're entirely ready. So it, to have God remove them, it doesn't say God is going to remove my defects of character, and step seven kind of runs right into it, humbly asking to remove my shortcomings. So... I'm asking him to do these things, but if you read on in the big book, it actually says uh, the fact that uh, any of these, remove them as they would get in my usefulness to God. Oh, got and, it. And, and doing his will. So the point is, I let's say my big thing was always impatience. So, you know, one of the things about being an alcoholic or an addict or whatever is that, you know, we already put ourselves on a pedestal when we were out there. Then we have to get knocked down. Then we come into the program. Well, you know, my mind and the disease is always running in my mind. So if God removes my impatience, my whatever, if I'm an angry person, if I'm whatever it is, and he removes all these things immediately, I may stop going to my 12-step program. I may stop praying to him. I may stop looking to him. And by doing that, now all of a sudden, instead of becoming a positive member of the community, I'm, I'm, I'm back to that negative person again and not doing God's will. So the steps here, and a lot of people get frustrated. They'll be like, you know, I asked God, I've been sober for 10 years, and I asked God to remove these things 10 years ago, and I still, I'm still impatient. I'm still angry. It's like, yeah, and you obviously are not doing much work on it yourself, so God's keeping you coming back. So you'll have to keep coming back and sharing so other people can hear that, geez, I don't want to be angry at 10 years sober. I don't want to keep being patient. Maybe i got to do some work. So you get to be an example through your negative stuff that God allows you to keep. You know, And so it's just asking, 
He doesn't remove them. And, and, and I shared that, and I know we don't have a short time here, but I shared that, you know, I had bitten, I told you this story, I bit my fingernails forever, 24 hours, seven days a week. And then I ended up uh, leaving the wife, and she went in a different direction. And I, one day, out of the blue, I was driving out to your way. As a matter of fact, I think last time I was a guest on your show. That's right. I was, I was driving out to you, and I looked down on the 10 freeway between Palm Springs and, and Phoenix, and all of a sudden, I said to God, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you talk to me and, and let me know if there's anything I'm missing or I need to step up to the plate. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and it was five months after the, the separation of my wife and I, and I said, wait a minute, I have fingernails. And exactly. I, I look at them now, and so amongst the insanity of all the stuff, you would have thought that that would have been the time I would have been biting my nails like crazy. But God stripped me down. I focused strictly on him. And all of a sudden now I have, you know, my biggest thing is cleaning them every day that they're always getting dirty. And, you know, and, and, and I went from somebody who couldn't stop fighting amidst, amongst the worst, uh, you know, chaos of my life in sobriety. And he gave me the most peace because I relied on him. And he tells me if you rely. So he removed my defective character of biting my fingernails when he felt it appropriate, and when he felt it appropriate, I feel, is that if he had removed them in the middle of my marriage, I would have just been like, oh, hey, honey, look at this. Uh, I don't bite my fingernails anymore. But since he did it, amongst the biggest insanity of it all, I recognized it more, and now it's a bigger story to tell people, and those people who are non-believers might say, well, geez, you know, that's another story he's telling us, you know, about how God worked in his life. So. He does it when he's ready, not when we're ready. We just have to be willing and ready that if he's going to remove them, go ahead and do it. I'm, I'm happy for you to take away this negative thing in my life. And then, you know, then we go on. Well, I think, I think let, me, let me just say something, because yes, I think absolutely. you make a really good point that this whole idea of removing character defects, that, you know, I, I think it would be God's desire that we would be free from all. But God also knows we're human, and in our fallen nature— we have a tendency toward pride. And so our character defects always cause us to be more dependent on God. And so the more we're able to be dependent on God simply because we depend on him, the less we need negatives to drive us to him. And so I think exactly. you made a great point in that, it, you know, it's he does this when he's ready because he knows us. It isn't that he's like doing it in his own sweet time. He's really making sure that the work he's doing in our lives continues to be sustained. He doesn't want us to all have to repeat lessons. He really doesn't want us to have to repeat things. So, yeah, absolutely. No, you make an excellent point there. And uh, so, you know, because somebody like myself might all of a sudden with this disease, you know, go, oh, wow, look at, you know, I'm not impatient anymore. I'm, I'm more compassionate to people. And this, God, everything's great. Well, I don't need this 12-step program anymore. And, and, you know, I certainly don't need God because everything's good. So, you know, I can do this on my own. And then, like you said, all of a sudden I'm back to square one, but usually 10 times even worse than exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. And then I'm not doing God's will. I'm not being of service to other human beings. I'm not being that servant that he's asking me to be. So, uh, you know, which is, you know, in step eight as we move on from there. So now we've got some, we're, we're, we're feeling a little bit better about ourselves. We've gone through the first seven steps. And then we, now we just make a list of all people we've harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Now, again, became willing to make amends to them all. 
Now, that doesn't mean that it's a smart thing to make amends to them all. And as we get into step nine, it says, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And that doesn't mean that it would break their arm or leg, but perhaps emotional uh, you know, uh, injury as well, or relationship injuries. For instance, if somebody, you know, slept with somebody's ex, with somebody's wife, it's not usually a good idea to walk up to that guy and say, by the way, when I was drunk one night, I spent the night with your wife, you know, and I wanted to apologize. Those are kind of ones you kind of just leave it alone. Well, those are, those, are those kinds of things. I, I think it's very important, and I'm glad you brought it up, because the whole idea of being ready to, you know, you take this moral inventory and then you are willing to admit it to another person. That's part of how we reduce shame and that we manage the guilt and shame that we have. What happens in these next steps is if we use that as a way to release our guilt, then we are putting harm on another person. So, you know, many times we might injure somebody by saying, hey, I need to come clean with you about what I did to you. Well, we only want to do that if it actually sets them free. If, if we're telling them something that puts them further into bondage, that's not at all what that step is about. So it's being willing to be humble enough to tell a person if God is saying, you need to tell this person what you did because it will set them free. Otherwise, you need to be willing to do it and then have the wisdom to know, I probably have to deal with this one on my own. I'm not allowed to tell this person. It would be a burden to them. Absolutely. And it's the same thing as if you owed a drug dealer, for example, money or something. You know, you don't go try tracking down a drug dealer. You, right, right. You, you know, you take some money and say you owed, let's say you owed him $1,000, for example. Then maybe at Christmas time you go buy $1,000 worth of toys and donate them to the Marines for Toys for Tots or something like that to make a positive difference in the world. So Absolutely. Always, yeah, and the step talks about the fact that you always want to work with somebody who's done the steps before to give you guidance. Don't, you know, you make your list, but you don't just go running out and go, uh, you know, and, and I love it when some people will, will they'll, they'll take step one and then they'll go, okay, well, I'm going to go say sorry to my mother now. I'm going to go say, so, oh, well, hold on. <laughs> right, exactly. There's, there's a reason why it's step nine and stop. <laughs> right. You know, because like you said, you can cause a lot more harm and pain in others' in, in others' lives by showing back up again, by, you know, you know, doing different things or saying different things at the wrong time and in the wrong place. So the nice thing is, is now we go on to step 10, which is we continue to take personal inventory and we were wrong promptly admitted it. So now that I've gotten used to saying I'm sorry to people, that I've, that I've uh, you know, made my amends to people, now it's if I do something during the course of a day and I upset somebody or I say something stupid or whatever to somebody, now I can go back and say, listen, I'm sorry, I was wrong, and I, and I don't know if it was you that taught me this or not, but somebody taught me that to say I was wrong rather than I was sorry, um, and, it, and it makes people feel more powerful and empowered and more impactful when you're apologizing to them. And so now, you know, but here's the thing that I shared just the other day in a meeting. We go on to step 11, which is thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. I save myself a million headaches in life by focusing every day on step 11. I get up, I get on my knees, I ask God to do his will today, 
and what can I do to help someone else suffering? I myself choose to read the Bible for about an hour right after that every morning, because if I want to understand God, it's nice to know His Word. And then I go to look uh, in Step 12, uh, which having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to the alcoholics and, and practice these principles in all our affairs. So again, Step 12, uh, I try to give back what was freely given to me. People may not want it. People may not be ready. My job is to just be an example of what the program is, which is about love and compassion and helping people. And what is God about in the Bible? Love and compassion, being a servant. And so this whole 12 steps is a completely biblical program. And you mentioned one of the steps in the Bible. If you actually go through the Bible, you'll find all 12 steps were taken directly from the Bible, just reworded. Because Bill Wilson, the guy that created AA, didn't want to offend people and scare people away who weren't believers. He wanted to entice them to come and check it out at least and then see if it didn't work for themselves. Exactly. Well, you know, this has been so helpful, and I'm so thankful because you got us through all 12 steps. And that that is a miracle because I have a tendency to many times belabor something. So this has been a very helpful show today for listeners, and I'm so glad, Rob, that you were on it and that you were able to explain and kind of give your own personal testimony of how this program has worked for you. And I think all of us, because they are biblical principles, can use every single one of these steps. We don't have to have a, you know, some hardcore addiction to know that these steps really work, that we want to make ourselves powerless, you know, and, and we want to say, God, we're powerless over our own lives to do them perfectly. We need your help, and we need a greater power, and God, that would be you to help us do this. And we need to be taking responsibility for the life that we have lived, and we, we need to be asking God to overcome our shortcomings as as he deems necessary, and that we make amends to people wh- whenever we possibly can in a way that wouldn't injure them, and, and that we certainly continue in that personal inventory, that every day I check and see, where am I today? Do I need to, to admit to somebody that I'm wrong? Have I hurt someone in some way? Have I, have I sinned against God in some way that I want to ask for forgiveness from him? And, and then we continue through prayer and meditation. So I'm so glad, Rob, you joined me. If you are interested in Rob Ekno, you can uh, find his site at Rob, um, R-O-B-E-K-N-O.com. And my site is CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Have a blessed week. Motivating and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.